Let's pray. My Father, my God, thank you, Lord, for gathering us all here today. Lord God, thank you, Lord, for getting us here safely. We pray for those that may be on their way, dear Lord, just to watch over them, dear Lord. And Lord, we look forward to the day that you have in store, Lord God. We have this time now in this room, Lord God, that we want to commit to you, dear Lord. So we ask, Father God, that you give us a clear mind, Lord God, and a clear understanding by the power of your Holy Spirit, that it would illuminate your word, Lord God, and that, Father, our minds would be renewed, that we be transformed, dear Lord, that we leave this place, this building today, Lord, different than when we came in, Lord God. So I trust you to do what only you can do, dear Lord, and I pray, Father God, that you would use me as your instrument this morning, Lord God, to, uh, to do, just to have your way with me, with each one here, as we commit this time to you to get all honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. So, just to kind of start off here, last week, Mike finished up, all right, uh, chapter 11, right? Chapter 12, verse 4, okay? Now there are a variety of gifts, but the same Spirit. And in verse 11, all these are empowered by one and the same Spirit who apportions to each one individually as He wills. So again, that there are a variety of gifts, and then Paul lists them all out, and Mike went through them, and uh, I think, I wasn't here for the end, but I noticed in his notes, and I'm pretty sure he said it, but we're going to say it again today, one of his closing remarks was to focus on your gifts and not another's. And that's what Paul is, has been talking about in his letter. So that this way there would be no division uh, within the body. So that kind of primes us a little bit for what we're going to look at today. Again, 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to be in verses 12 through 31. And we're going to read that right now. So if you can, open up your Bibles. All, all the other scriptures on your outline. This is what God's Word says. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we're all made to drink of the one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body. That would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I'm not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But, that, but as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Verse 21. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker and indispensable are indispensable, and on those parts of the body which we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. And our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, 
giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have, excuse, may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now, you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. And God has appointed in the church first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts of healing? Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret, but earnestly desire the higher gifts? And I will show you still a more excellent way. Amen. So, as we look at this passage here, unity, unity does not happen because we do something. Okay? Unity is a, a result. And throughout God's word, throughout his letter here, Paul is really talking about maintaining that unity through obedience, and he wants us that we are to understand God and, and how he works all things out, especially, particularly on this side of eternity. And he doesn't do it with uh, uh, uniformity. All right? God, God didn't create robots. But he does this, he has his body, and he has it bring him glory through diversity. This is God's sovereign plan. And that's, that's what I see in this passage here. There's three things. Unity, diversity, and the sovereignty of God. And we're going to look at each one of those briefly uh, this morning. So the first thing, unity, uh, verses uh, 12 and 13. The church, the body of Christ, is a unit, we learn, made up of many parts, made up of many members. And each one of those parts, they are distinct, and they are individual, meaning that each one performs a particular function, the way it has been uh, designed, equipped. Yet, all the parts of the body work in harmony for the well-being of the whole. Paul uses, again, the analogy of the human body in making uh, his point to the church at Corinth, and of course uh, to the church today, us. He uses that analogy. And he goes on in verse 12. He says, For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. Again, that, that analogy. Just as, with the, just as the human body is made up of many parts, so it is with the body of Christ. And Mike mentioned last week that the, the church is, is a, a united living organism, right? Because it's made up of members. It's made up of people, of individuals. And each one of us is united together in whom? In Christ. Christ. Amen. Not because of our worthiness. Not because of anything we've done. And definitely not because we deserve it. It's completely by His grace. Back in chapter 10, verse 17, Paul, Paul wrote, Because there is one bread, we who are many are one body. For we all partake of the one bread. Again, and we do that. We're going to do this today in communion. We demonstrate this participation with Christ through the observance of the Lord's table or the Lord's supper. So we see this relationship of the body being one with Christ, 
even expressed in scripture such as Acts 9.4, where where we read that while Paul was on the Damascus Road, right, uh, he encountered Jesus and how Christ considered Paul's persecution of the church as personal, as persecution of Jesus himself. Read in Acts 9.4, and falling to the ground, Paul heard a voice saying to him, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So the persecution of the church is a direct persecution of Jesus Christ. Throughout 1 Corinthians, Paul has been calling the church to avoid the things that divide and to pursue unity. Again, maintaining that unity. We bring the highest glory to God as a church when we are unified, when we are building one another up in the most holy faith. And scripture, I believe, teaches that the unity of the body is a result, right, of being joined with Christ, the head of the church. Unity, the definition of unity, is joined as a whole, okay? Reference John 6, 37. All that the Father gives me will come to me, and and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And we are unified, you have unity, we are unified or we are joined to be made whole in him and with him. We are joined to be made whole in him and with him. Unified, on the other hand, it means to be made whole. Whole meaning complete, again, on this side of eternity. Romans 8.16 The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. Heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. Provided we suffer with Him in order that we may also be glorified with Him. Which which then leads us to what Paul says next in verse 13 of of 1 Corinthians 12. For in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. So as believers, we share whom? We share the same spirit. Amen? Um, the baptism, I mean, we, are, we have all been regenerated, right, and renewed by the one Holy Spirit of God. The baptism of the Holy Spirit incorporates people into the body of Christ. That's what it accomplishes. It doesn't matter who you are, again, where you came from. It is the Holy Spirit that incorporates people into the family of Christ, the body of Christ. Titus chapter 3, verse 5, we read, He saved us, not because of works done by, excuse me, not because of works done by us in righteousness, but according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. And Paul writing to the church at Ephesus, chapter 2, verse 18, for through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. Again, the Holy Spirit. And the gifts uh, given, we learned are given by whom? By the Holy Spirit. The Spirit of the Holy God 
who resides in each one of us. And we, again, we do not grow in unity with him because we are already joined with him. We can't grow in that unity. Again, we maintain that unity, but we cannot grow in unity, I don't believe. I don't believe it's a process. Our transformation, our sanctification, that is continual. That is a process. The indwelling of God's Spirit also is not a fragmented event, right? The Holy Spirit does not increase. We do not receive more of Him, right? We, 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 I think we intentionally have to yield to Him. We intentionally have to be mindful of Him uh, in our daily lives, asking for that filling, asking for that renewal, just being conscious, making a conscious effort to yield to the Spirit and not to the flesh. In John 3, 34, for he, for he whom God has sent utters the words of God, for he gives the Spirit without measure. Once filled, always filled. God has put his very self in each one of us, in you and I, and nothing can be added, increased, or even decreased. It's a simple matter of us determining, deciding whether or not to yield uh, to him. Unity, again, a result um, of being joined with Christ, joined as a whole, made whole by one spirit, all of us together now one body. That is unity, which would lead us to the next, the next point would be diversity in verses 14 to 17. And in this diversity that we have within the body of Christ, no one should think too lowly of himself. I think Mike mentioned that last week. He might have mentioned too high, and we're going to brush on that a little, a little bit. But also, no one should think too lowly uh, of himself. Look what it says in verses 14 to 17. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I'm not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing? Where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? So, again, no one should, we shouldn't, no one should think of themselves as, as lowly of themselves. Also, I cannot refuse to be part of the body, can I? If it is God's spirit that unites me, if God's spirit who has joined me together, joined us together, <clears throat> I cannot refuse. It's just God's order. It's a result of what he does. Just because I may not be able to um, do what some of, some of you other brothers and sisters can do, Okay, uh, does not disqualify me or excuse me. <clears throat> excuse me. Just because I can't be, uh, you say, well, well, I can't teach Sunday school, I can't preach, I can't uh, fill in that blank, whatever it means. It doesn't mean that you're any less in, of a person in God's eyes. God has apportioned to you a gift, and He has placed you in this body. Each part is specific in its design and purpose. Even though we are different, each one's purpose is very important. I always like to say there, nothing God does is small. Amen? Everything in God's economy is a great work. 
because it's of God. And God manifests himself through his people, by his spirit. So if, if, if each part were the same, the body really would be ineffective and pointless. Right? So he has the diversity. Look at, at verse 17. If, if the whole body were an eye, where would, the, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? You guys, you got to say, you know what? I got to be me. I got to be who God made me to be. The body cannot move nor function as intended unless each part, each different part, each diverse part works and, 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 and carries out what God has purposed us to do and, and in the place in, in, and where he's placed us. Right here we're placed at 31 Passaic Avenue. Amen? So God has you here for a purpose, a specific function. Again, there's no small work in God's economy. We must learn to embrace who God made us to be. Don't think less of each other and don't desire what other people do. Like Again, Mike mentioned his closing remarks last week, but be who you got to be. I got to be me. I got to be who God made me to be. And if you don't know who that is or what that is, we have we can all we can help each other. Amen. Discover that. All right. So that brings us to the third point where we're going to spend most of our time, and that's the sovereignty of God in verses uh, eighteen to thirty. And we'll just take maybe one or two verses as as the time and, and go through this. But we're going to. This is this take up the rest of the time. Um, in verses 18 to 20, Paul writes, But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. Again, I, we, all, we all claim that God is sovereign. He's providential. He has complete authority over his creation, you and I. <clears throat> but as I'm reading this verse this morning, um, but verse 18, but as it is, God arranged you, Rebecca, in the body. He's arranged you, Sue, in the body. He's arranged each one of us as he has chosen as he has predetermined. Because if we were a single member, where would the body be? If we all did the same thing, where would Bible Baptist Church be? I'll tell you right now, we wouldn't have celebrated 95 years of ministry. Amen? This is not our church. This is our church. I get it. But this is God's church. We are his people. And as long as we focus on him and try to obey him as best we can, and in his grace and his mercy, he continues to carry this ministry. So again, the sovereignty of God. Verse, verse 18 tells us that God, again, has placed each part of the body, you and I, exactly where he wants us to be. Each member should be an active participant. Really, that's what that means. Because if he's gifted us, and he's placed us here, and I believe the first thing, and I believe the second thing, well then, the natural thing is then, what am I to do? I need to be an active participant. Each member should be actively participating, serving the body of Christ. Back in verse 7, we read, To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for what? To keep to yourself? To keep to myself? What's that? For the common good. 
for the good of the body, for the glorification of our God and our Lord Jesus Christ. Each part, every single one of you, every single one of us, is needed. We should never think that we do not matter. We should never think less of ourselves when it comes to God's economy. God has chosen us. We are His workmanship, it says in Ephesians, right? For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, for the common good, which God prepared beforehand that we are to walk in them. That's why we're here. That's why we're here. You know, and back to the human body analogy, again, uh, if an arm or a foot is hurt, you think, you know, you think of that, if, you know, I, th- I thought of you, John, thought of you with back problems and people, you know, whether it's your leg or, you know, um, when that part of your body hurts, eh, we can manage, we can kind of push through, but we're not operating the way we're designed to. It's not optimum, Okay. So, so it's important that if there's a part that's not working correctly, or maybe not working at all, all right, that's, that, it, that, that needs to change. That needs to, I need to ask myself, well, how do I get better? How do I um, operate here? Is God intended? What's involved in that? Again, it's a, could spend a whole day uh, looking at that. But again, the whole body healthy is needed. And, and to maintain that health, to maintain uh, that unity is necessary. All right? And that's the way God designed it. And that's why the diversity. God didn't create, again, robots. He did not, he was not looking to accomplish uniformity, clones, everyone being the same. And that, that brings us to interdependency. Again, so you shouldn't think too lowly of yourself, but you also should not think too highly of yourself. Paul is obviously addressing here the devaluation of certain people or certain gifts, uh, which translates to the degrading of what God has created and His purpose. It flies in the face uh, of that, of what God's plan is, what God's purpose is through His people. And I had this thought, you know, the, the, the diversity, right? Diversity is divine because it's, it's of God that He's placed us here. Something, you know, that I've learned and Maybe or maybe um, it, will, it will bless you, again, the, the time that I've served in ministry. And I don't think it's, it's necessarily true of our church here at Bible Baptist. But again, something I've learned, that the diversity which exists within the body of Christ is determined by God. We know that. Therefore, diversity must be accepted and celebrated. I'm afraid at times, again, this is not true here. Instead, sometimes we try to make people become someone or something other than who God made them and what he has purposed them for. Again, we mean well by that. We mean well and not everyone is going to grow at the same rate and I think we understand that. But we're not to look at the one who serves less prominently as someone who's less valuable to the body of Christ. Or dare I even say that we would look at that person as maybe uh, deficient. Or maybe our our expectations, I think, sometimes may exceed who God made that person to be. Again, not everyone is in the pulpit. Not everyone is cleaning the church. There's different parts. 
So we're to celebrate their service, be thankful to God for them, and if they are not pursuing the Lord with the same passion as me, like I may look at, at Mike, we'll pick on Mike, I may look at Mike and say, well, he needs to be more passionate about how he pursues the Lord. I might look at my son, all right, and say he needs to be more passionate, all right? I shouldn't do that. Um, don't be discouraged, uh, and, most, and most of all, don't discourage that person, okay, by telling them what or where they should be at a particular point in their walk. God will, God will do all that. You know, uh, again, going back, you know, to, to what Mike uh, started off with, right? Well, what he ended with, what I started off, started off with was focus on your gifts and not another's, okay? We may see uh, someone's calling, and that's biblical, and we want to encourage them in that way, but we can't, we, I'm not going to say put the square peg in a round hole, because if that person has the gift, you, we want to come alongside them, we want to build them up. As, as Paul is talking about throughout this chapter, throughout this book. But again, if you're anything like me, you kind of want to see things go quicker. You know, you know, Especially when it comes maybe to our loved ones. When it comes to our children or our spouses, whatever. Okay? Maybe, I, maybe I'm talking to the, preaching to the choir, but just maybe something to reflect on. I know I did. And each one has their role. Members are not to question the value or usefulness of other parts or other members. Paul continues in verse 21, The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. All that part does, alright, is they're, they're they, they want to do, they want to live their lives to the glory of God. Okay? But for someone else to, to look at them and say, you know, you can't do this or you can't do that. Or I want to be this. But God's made me that. Let's stick to what God's made us. I, I need to be who I got to be. Who God made me to be. Essentially, Paul's saying, this way of thinking, this attitude towards the other parts is unimaginable. In verse 21, it's outside the box of common sense thinking. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you. Nor, again, the hand to the feet, I have no need of you. Common sense demands that the opposite is true. The eyes need the hands and the hands need the feet. We know our bodies, our physical bodies. Everything works together. Everything is needed. We can manage when one isn't working well, but... It's, again, it's not, it's not great. It's difficult. Um, verses 22 to 26. He starts off verse 22. On the contrary, which really means to a much greater degree. To a much greater degree, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker, right? That seem to be weaker, my perception, are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow the greater honor. Our unpresentable parts are treated with greater modesty. With our more presentable parts, to, which our pre, more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division in the body, but that the members 
may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Again, verse 22, the parts that appear to be weaker, those, my perception, those things that are less noticeable, really, I think is what he's talking about. Those things that are less noticeable and they don't seem to be as important are in fact necessary and deserve to be honored. Again, thinking of the human body, our internal organs, we can't see them, they're less noticeable, but they are necessary for our life. The minor parts, verse 23, that are not seen uh, should be treated with uh, special honor. Uh, it's, what we, uh, it's what we do with our physical bodies. Those less noticeable parts are not to be ignored, but cared for and protected. Again, like I said, our internal organs, we go to the doctor, we try to take care of ourselves, we try to eat right. Again, they're less noticeable, but we need to acknowledge them. And we need to do what's necessary to care for them. So the body, uh, so the body of Christ should give special honor to the parts that do not attract honor. Because the noticeable parts already are attracting honor, is what Paul is saying. In verse 24, our more presentable parts do not require the special honor. But he continues, but God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there may be no division. Again, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be no division in the body. Because that's what's going on in Corinth. But that the members may have the same care for one another. Again, talking about the unity. All right, when, when the body is caring for one another, when we honor each other, okay, uh, it's, it's a testimony, the building up of one another, caring for one another. This is how harmony is maintained within the fellowship, between the members, that they would care, that we would care for each other. All parts should have equal concern for one another. We are to go out of our way, I believe, to honor those less noticeable parts by simply, simply acknowledging them in whatever way that might be. You know, thank you. Thank you for what you do. Hey, you're doing a great job. Right? And not take it for granted. <clears throat> Again, we are to do all things to the glory of God. We're not to do it to the praise of man. But at the same time, God says we need to affirm one another. We need to build one another up. If you're op- someone's operating in their giftedness, then affirm that. Encourage them. Build them up. That, hey, you're bringing, you're bringing glory to God by doing what you're doing. Amen? <clears throat> One who serves more noticeably should not consider themselves as more important than the rest that are not as noticeable. Romans 12.3 For by the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you, not to think of himself more highly than he ought to think, but to think with sober judgment, each according to the measure of faith that God has assigned. So the interdependence of the parts are evidences of God's design. Again, in diversity. Look at verse 26. If, if one member suffers, right, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. All suffer, all rejoice. Because God has made us one. 
God has made us one. Back at the beginning of this uh, book, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 2, we read, To the church of God that is in Corinth, to those sanctified in Christ Jesus, called to be saints together with all those who in every place call upon the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, both their Lord and ours. So, in God's sovereignty, He's made the church the body of Christ. Amen? He's, that's by His design. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. He says in verse 27. And we see in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22, And He put all things, alright? God put all things under whose feet? Under Jesus' feet. And gave Jesus as head over all things to the church, which is his body. God's design, the fullness of him who fills all in all. This is God's purpose. After using the human body as his analogy, Paul says that without exception, every person who has trusted Christ receives a place in the body of Christ. United being the church of Christ, the church of God. The well-being of our physical body is important for us to live. Amen? That all our parts, our members, that they function the way they're supposed to or as best they can, the same principle is true for the church, for the body of Christ, to care for one another, the well-being. Paul again mentions, you know, spiritual gifts in verses 28 to 30. Some are the same, as he mentioned earlier. Others... He doesn't repeat at all, and some are new ones. I believe the point Paul is making is that in God's sovereignty, he's created diversity in order that the church is interdependent, thereby operating in harmony. He says, and God is appointed in the church, first apostles, second prophets, third teachers, then miracles, then gifts of healing, helping, administrating, and various kinds of tongues. Again, Mike went over some of them last week that were mentioned. Are all apostles? Are all prophets? Are all teachers? Do all work miracles? Do all possess gifts? <coughs> gifts of healing? Excuse me. Do all speak with tongues? Do all interpret? A sovereign God has assigned each one. And in his providence placed each member in the right place. Right? Our arm is where it's supposed to be. Our leg is where it's supposed to be. I hope. Right? To do what it's supposed to do. You are here because God would have you here. The point of his, I believe the point of his rhetorical question is again, pointing towards diversity. It's God's plan. God has apportioned to each one of us a gift. Making it necessary, making you necessary for the body to function harmoniously. Unity, unified. And then the last the last verse, okay, in here, verse 31, we read, do, uh, excuse me, but earnestly desire the higher gifts, and I will show you still a more excellent way. So that kind of transitions into the next chapter. I just want to read for you, you have it on your outline, what uh, commentary, uh, let's study. 1 Corinthians by David Jackman, he says this. It is about verse 31. It is, of course, 
ludicrous to interpret these words in such a way that we end up with the apostle denying what he has just taught, namely that the different contributions of all members are important. But verse 31 does make the point, earnestly desire the higher gifts. That is, the truth that all contributions are important does not deny the fact that some gifts are greater than others in their immediate and longer-term benefits to the church. Paul, here Paul says, to earnestly seek, right, to have a desire to pursue. And it just, it just brought me to 1 Corinthians 14.1 where he writes, pursue love. Pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. So, pursue love and, he says, and earnestly desire. So again, we'll learn you know, how to pursue love as we go into the next chapter. That's next, next week, chapter 13. We'll be going into that. And just four, four takeaways to kind of summarize. Unity is a result of being saved. It's automatic. I don't mean to downplay it by any means, but it's, it's what happens. It's the result of what God does by His Spirit, the redemption of his, through His Son. God has made each one of us distinctive and dependent on each other. Interdependent. God united diverse people together with Christ as their head and calls it the church, that he would receive glory. And all this is by God's sovereignty to display unity through diversity rather than uniformity. Uniformity is not the same as unity. But God uses diversity to make unity. And we need to maintain that unity. Amen? Are we done a little early? We're good? Okay. Let's pray and if anybody wants to have discussion, we'll have discussion. Father, thank you again for your word. Thank you, Lord, for this time. Thank you most of all for your Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord, for, again, what I, what spoke to me, at least, Lord God, I don't see as an issue in our church, our local church. But God, again, we trust you in all things, Lord God, and trust, Lord God, that your word does what you intended to do, Lord God, and that is to renew our minds, conform us into the, transform us into the image of your Son, that we not conform to this world, that you would get all honor and glory. Father, we pray for the service to come. We pray for Sam. Lord God, prepare our hearts and minds, Lord, for what you have for your people. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.